The Sports Career Podcast, episode 189, How to Improve Your Communication Skills as a Coach. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Career Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers, and I'm always grateful for people who tune in every week to this weekly podcast show. And before I talk about this week's special guest and topic, I just want to let you know about my Facebook group, the Sports Industry Mastermind Group on Facebook, which is growing, which I'm so excited to see because it's all about helping people grow a global network on social media, online, so people can connect with other like-minded people in the sports industry around the world. So if you're really interested in joining this group, go to education to sport forward slash FB, and it's great to see you in the group. Now, as always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who is a sports expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest with regards to coaching, which can be applied in sports and business. I really do hope that today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Craig Johns. Craig is an international speaker and the founder of ngr to perform where he specializes in high-performance coaching and consulting for elite athletes and CEOs. Also, Craig is a podcaster like me, and he has his own show called Active CEO Podcast, where he interviews CEOs around the world, talking about the ups and downs during their career journeys. So for that reason, it's brilliant to have Craig as a special guest on the show. And that's when today's episode, Craig will share his sports career journey and explain to you how you can improve your communication skills as a coach and in day-to-day life. Craig, it's such a privilege to have you on the podcast show. Please, could you share to listeners your sports career journey? When did it all start? Hey, thanks, Ed. No, it's great to be on the podcast and uh, looking forward to sharing some insights with your listeners. Uh, for me, you know, I've been involved in sports since I pretty much uh, got out of nappies and uh, I grew up in a family where uh, on my mum's side, they were all into cricket and, and played you know, really high-level cricket and some great coaches. And then on dad's side, it was field hockey. Uh, so I had a, a fortunate sort of childhood where I played every sport under the sun and and uh, was able to do really, really well at, at swimming, sort of triathlon and field hockey up to a national uh, and international level, which, um, you know, was, when I kind of look back at it now, I was, you know, I was pretty fortunate to be able to be in that position and, and learn a lot of great lessons that set me up going into, you know, a sport sporting career um, off the field, so to speak. Uh, so I became a coach um, in swimming and learned to swim coach at the age of 15. And, you know, it's been quite a few years where I was coaching swimming, triathlon, surf, life-saving, and, and did that for, you know, quite a few years and, and still do a bit of coaching now. Um, and, and right up to national, I was coaching national team for triathlon in Taiwan. Uh, along the way, I did quite a lot of sports science. So coming out of high school, I went into uh, the University of Auckland and then Auckland University of Technology and was studying 
sports science and doing biomechanics and doing a lot of work with some of the Olympic teams in New Zealand, um, America's Cup teams, and some of the professional sports as well. So that kind of set me up um, for some, you know, for a great career in, in the sport industry. At the age of 24, I had the opportunity to move from New Zealand and ended up in Taiwan where I uh, sort of did my first overseas um, adventure and was working in an international school there running all the aquatics programs uh, and then on to be the national head coach for triathlon there and uh, also ran my own business. So I was there for quite a few years, uh, stepped across to the other side of the world and was spent a bit of time in Saudi Arabia um, as a swimming coach there and then down to run one of uh, the world's most amazing um, sport, mind, health, education, hospitality, sort of integrative centre in Thailand. Uh, and now I find myself in, in Australia where uh, currently executive director for triathlon ACT a couple of days a week and then run my own business working, living in high performance, dealing with CEOs, corporates and, and also high performance coaches and staff as well. So it's a bit of a snapshot. Look, I find this really interesting, but I've got to go back in time. You said something really um, specific, which relates to a lot of people, why they get involved in sport. You said that you learned a lot of lessons whilst participating in sport. Reflecting now, what sort of lessons did you discover whilst playing different sports at an early age? Resilience. You know, I came into a lot of teams, say in, in hockey, for instance, where we started off at the bottom and, you know, we had this mindset of just never giving up and uh, just you know, working on the small basic things. And from there, you know, it was just one step at a time. Let's get the basics right. And from the basics, we then went on to be, um, you know, winning every single game by the by the end of, um, you know, a couple of years. Uh, I was also very fortunate to be a part of a, a hockey team that holds a New Zealand record for the most, um, for the longest run of unbeaten games of hockey. Uh, and, you know, I was talking to someone and part of the team the other day, uh, we went 16 years um, where we won every single title for 16 years in a row. I think they won 23 out of the last 24. And uh, we, we're still trying to work out exactly how many uh, consecutive games was won or, or at least drawn. And it's somewhere up around the 280, 300 mark. Um, so uh, pretty special being in that team. And it was all about – it didn't matter what – you know, how people were feeling. Um, sometimes we only had 10 players um, on the field. Uh, we just knew how to win and there was nothing else but winning. Uh, and, and someone kind of asked me, you know, was there a greater purpose? And it's kind of hard to define, but I think possibly there's one thing in there and that we went out every game to change the game of hockey. We weren't just there to beat another team. We were there to change the game and take it to a whole new new level and I think that approach allowed us to win on a regular basis and, you know, really made it difficult for other teams trying to figure out how to beat us. Uh, so, so those lessons were fantastic. Um, on the other side, I was you know, did a lot of individual sports, so swimming, triathlon. So I had the opportunity where you're working as a team in that hockey environment, but in the individual sports, that's where you really learn about, you know, taking your body past what you think is a limit. And a lot of the time, you know, we, we set limits in our own mind and we ruminate on them and we think they're there. But every time you test yourself and you go more uncomfortable, you find a new 
uh, a new way to do it and your body adapts and you grow. And it's no different in the, in the working life, you know, as an entrepreneur or as a CEO or even any position in work, if you constantly challenge yourself to do something different every single day, you go into that uncomfortable zone, that's where the magic really happens. I find this really interesting and it's actually really important for a mindset perspective as well. Out of interest, what inspired you to study a sports science degree and how has it supported you now looking back? I was one of those really fortunate kids at school that knew exactly what I wanted to do um, from a very early age. And and that was what I, I wanted to coach sport. I wanted to to coach people, help people transform. And one of the really interesting things for me is that it wasn't just about um, just helping someone go that next step. It was like, how can we help people transform at a much higher level? You know, what are the finer details? What's something new? You know, how can we learn something more? And that's where the sports science come in. I really, it really fascinated me. I, I like to know how things worked and then I wanted to experiment all the time. And obviously science is all about experimentation and so is life. And it's interesting to see a lot of people don't think it as an experiment. They think that there's a right or wrong and that we have to do something correct all the time. Well, no, it's not. Life is actually experiment and it's okay to fail. And as a sports scientist, you get to fail all the time. It's great because you, you test the hypothesis. Does this work? And, you know, through that, I, I got some amazing opportunities to to work with some incredibly talented people and just focus on those basics all the time. And from the basics that we were then able to challenge those basics to what is the next level. Out of interest, did you apply that philosophy with regards to your coaching as well with that experimental sort of mindset? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Because I think, you know, coaching is still very young, uh, especially in the sport of triathlon and in a sport like surf lifesaving. Um, triathlon and surf lifesaving, you never have the same conditions. Uh, whereas, say, in a swimming swimming race, you've, you've got a 25-meter pool, maybe a 50-meter pool, but generally the conditions are very consistent. The basketball court is always the same dimension, a rugby field the same dimension. Whereas when you're out doing triathlon, Every course is different. The wind can have a major effect, the the weather conditions. Um, so you're always experimenting and training. And, um, and and when you're coaching, you know, people don't react the same to nutrition. They don't react the same to recovery. So every day is an experiment and you've got to keep your eyes open and you need to be observing all the time um, to see how they react to it because everyone is very, very different. Then you go to surf life saving where mother nature has a massive effect on making decisions and you have to make calculated risks and decisions all the time to pick the best way to go through the surf, to find the rip, to get around the can in front of someone else. And it's not always the straight line is the best line. So, you know, I've been able to coach those sports um, just is an absolute dream uh, for someone who is curious and, and loves to be uncomfortable and and help people be in that comfortable zone quite often. And just going back to the basics, as you mentioned, for people listening in who would like to pursue career in coaching at any level, what core skills, in your opinion, need to be a great coach? Um, you can you can know as much as you like around technique and um, a coaching philosophy, but if you can't communicate, 
you're not going to be an effective coach. So it's important that you learn how to ask questions. It's not about telling you, you, as a coach, you're not a teacher. Sure, sometimes you might need to teach some skills, but most of the time you are coaching, you are asking questions, you are allowing the person to problem solve. You need to observe. Uh, and, and this is, you know, I think observation is probably one that is not looked at enough. You know, we ask a lot of questions around what's your heart rate, how are you feeling, etc. But being able to observe subtle changes in someone is really, really powerful. Now, some of the best coaches I've ever seen in the world have also worked with um, horses. They've trained horses or greyhounds or some other animal and the reason why I think they do so well is that they have to observe and watch and listen. They can't just rely on the feedback of a human telling them in English or another language the answer to how they're feeling. You have to be able to observe it because athletes will sometimes try and please you. So you need to look for what the truth may be. You know, and what's your version of that truth of how that person's reacting to that training? How are they connecting with you or connecting with other people in that group? So the more you can study communication, whether it be verbal or nonverbal, is extremely important. You know, for me, similar type thing, I, I had the fortunate opportunity in Taiwan where I had three athletes in the national team. And I had three months with them who spoke zero English. I had no other athletes at the time. Uh, the National Training Center in Taiwan, we had 800 athletes in there. Uh, the only two foreigners were myself and a Belarusian boxing coach. Uh, a number of people spoke English, but at this time I had three athletes. Now, I learned more about communication and coaching in three months than the rest of my career. And, you know, I it has helped me become extremely good now as a CEO and, and working as a, as a coach with CEOs in that space as well because I can read people really, really well and I can understand the subtleties because of learning that power of observation and listening, not for language, but listening for, this, for the minute changes in the way someone's acting or behaving from a breathing pattern, etc. Look, I find that story very, very interesting. Out of interest with regards to those three athletes, at the beginning, how did you start communicating? So pretty much the only word they could say each was hello. And I had no translator with me. Uh, so a lot of it was um, I would draw. Um, they could actually read English. So that helped a little bit there. So I, I would write, I would draw. Um, I would do a lot of actions. So, you know, I think that – and. When you are demonstrating as a coach, you need to be very conscious of what you are actually showing. And is it that is it congruent with what you actually want? Uh, I've seen a lot of coaches go out there and demonstrate something and it's completely different to what they tell the athletes to do. So, you know, being able to watch yourself in a mirror, video yourself and do that regularly so you can actually check that you're. Um, demonstrations are exactly what you are looking for from a technique. Um, sometimes I would help show them. So I may need to actually get them out of the, say, for instance, if we're swimming, I might need to get them out of the pool and I might need to actually help them demonstrate. So actually put my hand uh, on, you know, on their wrist or whatever and help them move through the position so they can start to get the kinesthetic awareness of, of what we're trying to achieve. And um, we did use video a lot. 
because I could show things in video as well. Um, a lot of trial and error, made a lot of mistakes, uh, but we had a lot of fun. And, you know, one, one of the most in- powerful things is that fun and happiness translate across languages. And you learn to use that quite a bit. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> just a fascinating um, incubator of experimentation and, and trial and error. Absolutely. And just going back to your career now, what you're currently doing, what inspired you to pivot your coaching with regards to the business sector? And would you mind explaining to listeners your, your business and what you now enjoy working with CEOs? Great question. Uh, you know, and a lot of people ask me, you know, why did you leave coaching athletes and high performance? And, you know, it must be a lot of fun and really great. And what, one of the one of the really interesting things about being in high performance from a coaching point of view is it actually really lonely. You deal with a small group of athletes. Uh, you are with them every single day um, in most cases. Um, you see them more than you do your family. You see them more than you are asleep. Um, and you develop some really close relationships, but it's only with a very small um, number of people. Now, some people really like that. Um, for me, I've always had something burning deeper inside of me that I want to help transform a lot more people. And I've had sitting inside my head for, you know, I think since I was, uh, I can recall thinking about this when I was at high school. And I kept wondering, why don't we see people healthier, uh, more active and happier in their lives? Why are there so many people unhappy? Why are we seeing so many people um, unfit? Why do we see so many people in an unhealthy state where they struggle through life? And that, that kind of question's always sat in my head. And the more I traveled around the world and the more I spoke to different people, I was like, look, I can't help everyone in the world. I can't go to people individually. But there are some really important people out there that are key influences that can help make the change. So they are your CEOs. They are your leaders. They may be your people in government. So for me, I got to a point where I was like, I just, you know, I like coaching people and I like transforming people, but I want to make a bigger difference. So that's where, you know, the active CEO came in and and energy to perform. So energy to perform is originally was coaching uh, CEOs um, coaching also elite athletes to help them get through an endurance event. So whether it be marathon, um, cycling or triathlon, that, that was the original one. Um, once I switched into the CEO world, um, I, I just I just got to a point where I'm like, you know what, here's the opportunity. And so, you know, I re-pivoted energy to perform uh, just over a year ago. And um for that, what we do is we work on well-being and performance with CEOs and corporates, and we do that from a from a more of a really holistic point of view through what I call breaking the CEO code. Um, along the way, in setting up that business, I wanted to do, do it a bit differently. So I'd had two businesses before, and I'd gone in really quick, and I'd gone for really fast short-term gains. So that was, okay, I can coach one-on-one, I can get I can put a service out there and I can get um, money back straight away, right? It's great. It's fun. But there's 
There's no real end game to that, and you it's really hard to scale it. So this time around, I wanted to take it slowly, and I wanted to build it out so that I could build out the framework, I could build out the structures, and do it in a way where I could scale it. So this year is where we start to scale it, and that's a really exciting part where I can bring in people that are more qualified than I am, that are better at asking questions than than I am and put them in there so we can create this holistic team and integrative team that helps really make a difference to these CEOs and corporates who can make a big difference in below them. Uh, As a side to that, when people started seeing breaking the CEO code and what we're doing with that aspect, high performance sport come to me and said, look, does this work? You know, we like what you're doing. Does this work with coaches and high performance stuff? And I said, sure. I said, high performance is high performance. You know, performance and well-being, it's no different. You know, you you just have to obviously uh, frame it in the right way, but the actual fundamentals are no different. So now as part of it, there's kind of a side aspect where I'm building up frameworks for uh, around well-being and performance for high-performance coaches and staff. And what's fascinating is there's only a little bit of research around this, but there's pretty much zero implementation of anything around in, in sport to look after the well-being and performance of coaches and the high-performance staff. Um, so that aspect's kind of exciting one. It, it's it's aligned, but it's in a slight, you know, it just sits off as its own little arm at the moment. Um, so that's where that's going. And we have Active CEO Podcasts, which is, you know, an opportunity to um, talk with CEOs and leaders all around the world. We, we talk about how the things that they're really good at from a leadership point of view, how they've gone from being a young child and how that's, that context has shaped them as a person and and then tied in the health and wellness aspects of it and how they're dealing with that with their staff, et cetera. So I hope that, <laughs> I hope that gives a nice um, oversight of the business and what I'm doing now. Absolutely, and I find it really interesting. And with regards to your podcast show, what have you learned from that experience? And out of interest, is it sort of ticking that box with regards to when you're a young child that you wanted to make more of an impact? Have you seen more of an impact with your podcast show with regards to your vision? Yeah, definitely. Look, it's fascinating because the podcast is all about interviewing other people. And I, I get to interview some incredibly gifted and talented people. You know, a lot of them haven't been on a podcast before. A lot of them aren't in the limelight. And it's amazing to, to see the authenticity and their genuine personality come out when you put them in that podcast setting and the stories they have and the incredible work that they're doing that is unseen a lot of the time. For me, it's it's the greatest MBA I could ever do. Um, and it's pretty much free. You know, you're interviewing people, you get to think of incredible questions to ask them. Um, so for me, you know, the impact that's coming out of that is I'm seeing people come back to me now and going, I learned a lot from that person. This is what I've changed. People come back to me and go, why don't you talk about what you do and your thoughts? And I said, if you listen carefully, my ideas and thoughts will come out when I ask the questions. So other people will be answering it. And if I need to give them a bit of context, I'll do that. Um, so it's, it's a really fascinating way to to bring your message to the world through other people um, and, and through the questions that you ask. 
Absolutely well, Craig. You should see my face with a big smile because what you've just said is absolutely why I started this podcast show four years ago. And just on a personal note now, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey looking back right now? Oh, there's so many so many things I really enjoy. It's not the medals. Um, it's not the teams that I've worked, you know, not, not the actual positions that I've held. It's the growth I saw in people and not just in how I've helped them, but also how they've helped me and helped other people. You know, the, the sport is an incredible way to learn life lessons and business lessons in a really fun and engaging in, uh, environment. And, you know, so for me, I've been the, one of the fortunate people in the world and there's not that many of them, uh, unfortunately, that has been able to be in roles where they thoroughly enjoy every single moment of it. And they love getting up, you know, I love getting up every single day to work with people. And sport is, there's so much passion in it. And people just want to get better all the time. But in a lot of other areas in life, people, there are people who, you know, are not interested in really growing. They just go through life, they get a paycheck, um, and they, you know, just repeat, rinse and repeat every single week. So working in that dynamic space of the sporting world, it's never the same. It's always changing. Um, you get instant feedback from people because they are passionate you know, it may not always be rational, but they always will give you immediate feedback. Um, and it's great to have that because, you know, it's um, you get to feel it. You get to feel the emotions of it. And it's exciting. Uh, and there's no other medium in the world where um, you, you see the emotion come out in the way that sport does. I can totally agree. And also, I can definitely hear your enthusiasm throughout this whole podcast chat. And I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What three tips would you give to university students who want to pursue a career in the sports industry? Ask questions. Uh, be really curious. And don't be afraid to ask any questions. The, the one thing I share with a lot of people that are looking at getting into the sports industry is volunteer your time by asking the people that you want to learn from. So ask them, can I have a coffee with you? Can I spend some time shadowing you um, with a sports team? And I think that sets you up in a number of different ways. One, you're learning from the people that have done some amazing things. Uh, two, it opens doors for you. Sport is all about networking. And there are... A lot of people now that are doing a lot of courses in sport management, sport science and sport coaching, uh, sport performance, event management, but the, there aren't as many roles in comparison to the growth of the number of people coming through. So you need to be very proactive um, and that's how you get your opportunities. You know, for me, and you know, this is not skiting or anything like that, the first time I ever had to interview for a job was the, the triathlon one I have here in Australia. So I went 30, uh, 34 years or 35 years without having to interview for a role. And that was because I put myself in positions where I could learn from people and people took notice and went, 
here's a job for you or recommend a job, you know, and I've now lived in five countries. That's not too many people could say that they've been able to achieve that through their passion and what they love. So, yeah, so be curious and, and ask and talk to those people that you really want to learn from. Uh, secondly, um, it, it's, it's like being an athlete. Uh, remember that when you first start in your sport career, uh, your, your say sport management or coaching um, career, that it's like having training wheels on and make sure you, you take the opportunity to learn step by step. There's, there's too many people, uh, and we see this a lot with elite athletes who try and come, they, they've been an athlete, so they think now they can go straight to be a CEO or they can straight to be a general manager. Um, but if you don't learn the basics and the grassroots level, then you will really struggle with that top end because you won't comprehend it and understand it. So as an athlete, you'll generally move through your career quite rapidly. So you'll be able to move through positions in an organization at a faster pace because you have some great skills. However, if you don't get the basics right, you will fail it. You will struggle. So it's important to get that grounding and really grasp each level along the way. And then you can be a really successful leader later on. Uh, And probably the third thing is um, be be prepared to plan your recovery. And, and this is something we do with breaking the CEO code, and it's called CEO periodization. Now, you probably know periodization from being an athlete or, or coaching athlete or sports science where you look at cycles of stress and overload and different training cycles and then a period of recovery. Now, if we explain this from an athlete point of view, when you're an athlete, you have a really strong trigger if you get recovery wrong. Right. So if you train too hard, the stress is too much and you don't get recovery right, then you'll notice it in the next session because you won't be able to produce the numbers or the effort um, that you would like um, or the same with an event. Now, when you are working um, in a job, you know, whether it's in in sport or in, in any sort of area, unless you have a catastrophic event, you'll generally your fatigue and your energy and performance levels, uh, sorry, your energy and performance levels will decline so gradually that your body keeps adapting to it. Now, our bodies are incredible. Like if if it's only a small adjustment, it adapts, it adapts, and you don't notice it. So, and because sports people are so used to pushing until they feel fatigue, they don't feel that kind of um, effort when they're in a working situation. So they keep going and going and going and they, and they're passionate. So they work long hours and they push themselves. And within the first two years, you're shattered and you're overwhelmed. You could be burned out, etc. And you need, you don't know if you want to do it anymore. So it's really important in that setting that you actually, rather than wait till you're fatigued, you actually need to plan your recovery in place. So what do you do on a daily basis? You know, so how do you ensure that you um, can work for for a period of time at a high level to have a short recovery and continue that high level so you can sustain that performance over a day? How can you do that over a week, over a month, over a year, and now importantly, over a career? Now, one of the, the one of my special friends, um, Anne Gripper, and she was on an Active CEO podcast. She was our first guest, so episode number three. And she does something I haven't seen anyone else do 
she will work, she'll take a, a job for five years, no less, no longer. She does it for five years and then takes a whole year off. And she repeats that. So she goes five years on, one year off, five years on, one year off, five years on, one year off. So she's into her fourth cycle. Uh, her first one year off, she uh, did her master's in Lausanne. So she was very fortunate to to one of the world's top sport masters um, or MBA. The second one, she uh, unfortunately lost a very close friend of hers um, and they established a philanthropy a charity. So she spent the whole year setting up a charity. And then the third time she cycled the world. And to me, that's, that's what an amazing way to live life and a great way to ensure that longevity as a top leader um, and, and as someone who can perform over a whole career rather than kind of just small segments of a career. Um, so I, I'm not sure everyone can achieve that because you probably need uh, a very good saving strategy and you probably need a fairly well-paying job to be able to achieve that. Um, but I think that is something really important. So the first one was um, be curious and ask the people that you want to learn from to have a coffee or to shadow them. Uh, number two was step up gradually. And then number three, um, so, you know, periodize your your life and your sport career um, like you would as an athlete so that you can perform consistently and, and continue to improve your performance over a long period of time. Craig, those three tips inspired me whilst listening to that story. Out of interest, how can people interact with you online? Yeah, sure. Thank you for that. Um, so obviously they can go to the Energy to Perform website. So that's um, www.nrg, the number two, perform.com. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn uh, and Facebook. Uh, and, you know, on the website, you can also, you know, my email is on there. So feel free to connect with me anytime. Um, you know, I love giving back in to, to the people in the sport industry. Um, I love paying it forward and helping people out where I can. And, you know, I got a lot out of people who I ask questions with and, and help me get a great step up in the sport industry and, you know, in life. And so, you know, for me, I'm always looking to help people out and, and um, you know, where I can provide some advice or some, uh, you know, help them out with an opportunity. That is great to all the listeners listening in. All of Craig's links as well with regards to his podcast, his website will be on the show notes relating to this podcast episode on the website. Craig, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Ed, thank you. And um, it, it's wonderful to see what you're doing for the sport industry. And I look forward to seeing how you continue to grow the podcast and you know really make a difference for the next generation of sports management and sports science people. Wow, what a fascinating podcast chat with Craig. And honestly, there's so many learning lessons I have taken from this podcast episode. But the key current theme that I've taken from this interview is the power of communication. That has been the secret ingredient that has really elevated not just Craig's career journey, but also how he's managed to learn from mistakes. It's been his communication which has managed for him to create new opportunities with regards to his career. He mentioned that for 34 years he created his own opportunities. It was only when he learned from his mistakes he actually had that interview experience but because of his communication, because he's built his network, because he's worked with different athletes in different sports, He's managed to create his own opportunities through communication. But the biggest learning lesson is with the guys when he was explaining 
that story when he was working with some elite athletes who couldn't understand English. They could read English, but when he was coaching these three athletes, he had to use kinesthetic learning. He had to write things down, and he said he made it fun. I think this is really important when building a network, for example, really treasure that opportunity when building that conversation and make it fun. Um, the one thing I've learned for the people I've interviewed around the world is being so curious about their culture, where they're from. Even if they're from the UK, I'm so curious of that upbringing. And if you can understand this with the power of communication, honestly, you are going in the right direction with regards to making your sports career reality. And it doesn't matter what sector, what role, if you can utilize your communication sort of methods that work for you, the more better you're going to be in the industry. And the one career tip that I can totally relate to with those three career tips he gave at the end was being curious is so important, I think, with regards to pursue a career in the sports industry of how is the industry changing and who are the main influencers we should be learning from to move the industry forward. This is what being curious is about. And then when you find that curiosity, find those people, find those influencers you want to learn from. And I really do hope this podcast show can be the stepping stone of finding those influences because that is why I love the work I do is interviewing these people who can give back to you with regards to your own self-development and career development as well. So look, I really do hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I have and really put into practice what Craig was saying right at the end with those career tips, put them in action and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote. Craig said, be really curious and don't be shy to ask questions to people you want to learn from in the sports industry. That is the first step to making your sports career a reality.